<laughs> I got to edit all that shit out. I know. Again, people, welcome to another episode yeah. of The so, uh, Rock Show, yep. episode 59. And who do we have today? Okay, we're talking about the Trogs, okay? Uh, probably one of the most underrated bands of all time. Um, Proto-Punk. Definitely okay. Proto-Punk. Uh, a lot more than just Wild Thing, okay? The song Wild Thing. Uh, I definitely, I've been wanting to do a show. What yeah. do you think of the original name that wanted to call it? The Troglodytes. What do you think? Well, I thought that would have been fantastic. Yeah, well, that was the name, but it was just nobody could say it. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody could Troglodytes. Nobody could read it or say it. So what they, the hell they did that say? <laughs> yeah. You know, they had to do that, you know. Um, I like this band. Uh, they, they're kind of like, like I said, they're underrated. And if you listen to them, they're very primitive. Uh, you could see, like, how... You know, punk bands got into them and, yeah. and stuff like that. Other pro punk bands like the MC5 like them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're British and it's a very interesting background. And so, to the point that even Jimi Hendrix did his own Jimmy version Hendrix, of, of Wild Thing at which the was, Monterey I thought, Pop Festival. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> it, it's, it's just such a. Uh, you know, uh, primitive, you know, easy. It's an easy song if you know how to play guitar. It's not hard to do. But it's just. It just it's great, you know. I, I always like that song, and and they got a bunch of others that uh, are even better, really. So let me ask you just a few questions before sure. we start, because I know you're going to answer these questions right away. But these guys had commercial success pretty much off the bat, right off the bat. Well, their first single bombed, but the second single, was yeah. Wild but I mean, yeah. 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 But I mean, pretty much off the bat, they were just like they had a very. Interesting beginning. Uh, there's a Kinks connection there. We'll oh, talk the, about. oh, yeah, the uh, definitely the manager, right? The yeah, manager, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's also a story here where it's a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of a lot of just mistakes. And also they could have been a lot bigger. Oh yeah, but there was a lot of um, infighting. Infighting, because when you yeah. told me that, pretty much Did the, you check movie, it out? the spinal spinal tap. Was, yeah. I was like, oh, this out? makes sense. Yeah, yeah. they're okay. like you they're like motherfucking each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh my yeah. god, this great. is great. Yep. Now, uh, basically, the trog started with these two guys here, Reginald Maurice Ball. Okay, he was born June 12, 1941, in Andover, Hampshire, England. Yep. Uh, came from a blue collar background, and actually was a bricklayer up until Wild Thing came out. Wow. Okay, he kept his job as a musician early on, and uh, and he just had that background. Um, so he kept his bricklayer job until, until Wild Thing went top ten. And then he but they were already around for like three years already at that point. So yeah, because for some reason it looked like they had commercial success here and also in the U.S. pretty yeah. quick. It didn't it take did. much. No, it didn't take much. But the second guy that you have to mention is Ronald James Bullis. Yeah. He was born a year earlier, in May of 1940, in the same town, Andover, Hampshire, England. Now... In 1964, they decided they would start a band, and that band uh, would be called Troglodytes. They had histories in other bands before that. Yeah, and like we just said, it had to be shortened to the Trogs because nobody could fucking say it. Um, in 65, Reginald Ball would change his name to Reg Presley, and that was a name given to him by uh, New Musical Express journalist Keith Altham. Uh, Altham. Uh, very well-respected journalist at the time yeah. said, you know, you should change your name to Presley. You know, I mean... It, you know, it sounded much better. It sounded Reginald better than Presley. Ball. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, Ronald would also change his name to um, Ronald Stone. Uh, what was it? Uh, Ronald Bond. Oh, that's yeah. Nice. yeah. Now, uh, Larry Page, who was the early Kinks manager, yeah, uh, had heard of these guys because they, they came out with a single called "Lost Girl," and that like flopped. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah, but the, he heard of of the Trogs because somebody told him that they actually played "You Really Got Me" better than the Kinks. Yeah, and, then, and he was like, "All right, I got to check them out." You really got. So he brought him into the studio and was impressed right away by them. And he signed them to his label, which was called Page One Records, since yeah. 1965. Yep. Uh, the single for Lost Girl had bombed, and they needed something else to, to, to come out with. Um, they were looking around, and it was a rockabilly guy named Chip Taylor who had a lot of songs. Uh, he's actually John Voight's brother. Yeah. The actor John oh, yeah. Voight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's actually his brother. Um, and he had a song called Wild Thing that a band called The Wild Ones had done and it just flopped. Yeah. So he said, you know what, we could do something else with this song, change it a little bit. And they made like the ultimate fucking rock and roll, like I mean, the ultimate garage, garage rock song. Yeah. They, they, when they compared them, and this is just out of my reading, so you know what, the Wild Thing is ranked out of the 500 most greatest rock songs of all time. Guess what number Wild Thing is ranked? It's up there. Nah. Nine? Number nine? No, it's not. Oh, it's low? It's 257. Out of, out of what? Out of 500 of well, the best rock songs. It's halfway, which, which I thought yeah. I thought that was a proper no, way. I thought that was definitely accurate. And they were also a big influence in garage rock and punk, and they were also pop rock and portal punk also. Well, yeah, I mean... So you think that's a good description? Pretty much. I mean, you know, with these labels, it's tricky. You know, in the late 60s, there were... There were there was not much difference between top 40 and rock and roll. Rock and roll was in the top 40. Of course, you had, you know, pop stuff in the middle of that, too. But, uh, you know, there was no punk rock. It was just rock and roll, okay? It didn't exist yet. But you could tell in the evolution of the music that definitely bands like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and probably a lot of the British bands out there were listening to the Trogs, at least in their musical upbringing as kids, okay, teenagers and stuff, before they, in the 70s they started playing their own shit. Um, the, the, the song Wild Thing would be propelled to stardom, basically, by a... By a um, a performance in England that they did called Thank You Love the Stars the show that used to be on and it got them to number two with that song but interestingly the song would actually make it to number one in the United States yeah okay. and for a British band that, that, that just shows the time in 66 in July of 66 how much the British invasion had really taken over yeah okay uh, between when the Beatles came in 64 to that time in 66 if you had a British accent, you went to number one in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, it, just, it, 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 knocked out, it knocked out everything before that. Okay, what you had in 63 and 62 and 61 was a lot of like vocal groups, the girl groups, the Phil Spector stuff, uh, the Shangri-Las, and, and we're going to be doing a show on them soon. The Shangri-Las, uh, yeah. You know, uh, all that stuff was knocked out by the British invasion. So, you know, the American public was hungry for anything from England. 
Yeah, you remember was the Shana the guys that had that show on TV also? Oh, you're thinking of Shana now. Shana, remember that? Yeah, they were great. They were, but they were a retro doo-wop band. Yeah. Yeah, the Shangri-Las were a girl group. They sang like Leader of the Pack. Leader of the Pack. Yeah, that's right. You know? And we're going to do a show on them next week. But uh, the heavy riff of Wild Thing and, and, you know, there was kind of like a sexual innuendo to it. Uh, did you know the song was done in one take? I saw that. Yeah. They did it in one yeah. take. They I read that one take. And um, Larry Page had some other band in the studio. And uh, he kind of like ushered them out a little bit earlier and, and got these guys to come in and do one song. And it was like done in like 15 minutes. 15 minutes. That's it. Rap. It's great. You know what's funny? So um, technically, uh, Presley and Bond, they knew each other from childhood, right? Like yeah, childhood from the same friends. town. For the yeah. same town? Yeah. yeah. Did they, they, do you know, did they go to the same school or something? Is that no, what no, no, no. Them, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so because uh, uh, Presley was younger than him okay. by a year or two. So, okay. I mean, they might have been in the same school. Most most British people in those days, if you were like working class, you went to trade school yeah. kind of stuff. That's what they would do. Because they school. say they form an, an R&B band in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, they, they, they had some other things early on that kind of changed into the tribes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would like to hear some of that early stuff, like that R&B stuff. I don't think it was ever. I don't think it was ever anything recorded with that. You know, when when you say R&B in those days in England, it was the stuff the Stones were doing. Yeah. You know, like the 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 Stones before they really took off were doing a lot of like Bo Diddley, uh, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That was what was popular. Um, The one problem with Wild Thing was that in the United States it got distributed by two different labels. There was a fight over the Page One Records was the label, but then there was a distribution out of England into the United States and there was an argument with that. And so basically, I I would think that the profits probably got split between these two labels. That had had to hurt them. And also, they never made it over to the United States until 68. Which when I researched it, I was like... What? Yeah, they had a problem. They had the number one album, but they couldn't play in the they US. Play. Now, like, how the fuck does that happen? Well, well you know what? Um, I think, it, you know, and you're not going to prove it, but I, I think there might have been uh, a concerted effort of certain people in the United States to not make them big. The Beatles. <laughs> 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 maybe just like the Kings. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Just like yeah, the Kings, yeah. The I mean, well, well, the Kings ended up. They came here, but they got themselves banned. The Trogs just couldn't get in, and and, and it was it was really like, you know, I think there was a, there was a, there was kind of like an effort to get them to keep them down uh, because they were worried about these lyrics. Okay, not just in Wild Thing, like some of the songs that came later, like um, the next single was called With a Girl Like You. Oh, that's all right. And that was actually recorded at the same session as Wild Thing. Oh, yeah? That's a very good song. And that song went to number one in the UK and Europe. Uh, The first LP was released in July of 66 in the UK. It was called From Nowhere. But in America, it was called Wild Thing. Yeah, yeah that, that was weird. They had yeah. like an album for... And there's a couple of different yeah. songs on there. I mean, that was common with British bands. You, I remember the Kinks had that. Yeah. You know, it was like different different songs. You, you know, 
you know, years later when you try to collect this stuff, it's like, oh shit, yeah, they got to get like a different version of it, you know? Let me ask you a question. How did they get so popular in the U.S. if you could never see them perform live? Were the TV show that they were on that Americans could see them? I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, it was... it was Because uh, TV was very different. I mean, you wouldn't really get shows yeah, from England. It wasn't like, like they came on and went on Ed Sullivan. Yeah, that's okay? what I'm saying. So how was, did they get popular? I don't know. It was, it was word of mouth. Word of mouth, I would say, like check out this band, and you know, radio stations would pick up on it. Wild Thing was almost like a you can see Wolfman Jack probably playing Wild Thing, absolutely, with no doubt. Okay, and and you know, it was a single singles kind of song. Yeah, you know, it was like oh, you'd have the forty five of Wild Thing, all right, slap it on. You know, and and uh, they they what was the B side to Wild Thing? Good question. I think it depended on which which, which label okay. had it. Which you know, I'm it. not I'm not sure. But um, there was also a track called "I Want You," which was yeah. written by Larry Page. That's another song. Yeah, that I want yeah. You. And it was interesting because yeah, it was the MC Five early on released it as a single and said it was their song. <laughs> they stole it. You know why they could do that? Because nobody knew, and no, and they couldn't play here live. Yeah. So that's kind of like, and I heard that went to court and only got settled like many years later. Okay, but they actually took a writing credit for it. It was a drop Okay, it's kind of fucked up. All right, now, but then again, it shows what the you know the Detroit, the band, the Detroit bands were listening to what was going on in England at the time. You know what I mean? Now, late in '66, they came out with what I think is probably their best song. That's called I Can't Control Myself. That's a good fucking uh, that song. That was released as a single, and it has, like, some of the best lyrics, like, you know, your slacks are low and your hips are showing, okay? Yeah. Uh, your long black hair and all that. And uh, it, it was kind of, like, a similar to, to Wild Thing with a great guitar riff. Uh, the, the sexual innuendo of it would, would get it to number two in the U.K., uh, actually, the Ramones would cover that song in 1995 on their Acid Eaters album. They do a great version of it. Um, and in the States, the song was deemed kind of controversial. Uh, it, it, there was a radio guy in those days. He was like almost like a censor. And his name was Bill Gavin. Yeah. Okay, now, he was after certain rock bands. I, I'd like to do a little more research on this guy because his name has come up with other things because yeah. um, like when the birds did Eight Miles High you know that song? Yeah. Right? Like he was the one that kind of even though the song did well but he was on the record saying like that's a song about drugs. Yeah. Because it be a song about drugs. Not really. I mean he's, talking, he's singing about like Eight Miles High you know, like love and stuff I think you know but you can't tell you know but I mean it wasn't obvious but uh, he thought it was a drug song but the scream at the beginning of um, I Can't Control Myself, he goes, oh, no. It was really loud. This guy, Gavin, thought that was an orgasm. It could have been. <laughs> no. When you hear it, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look Oh, no, not now. <laughs> no, not you again. Can you hold it for five more minutes? <laughs> That's crazy. Could have been. You never know. Um... It, the, the, 
I, and the, the, the censor, Bill Gavin, he was very successful with holding down that drop single. Yeah, you know what? It, it only got to number 41. It's always like, you know, they had they always had like flirtatious kind of fucking yeah. lyrics that, yeah. hey, baby, come. You know, yeah, it was like, exactly. it was more like, Look, I mean, it, it was casual. sexual. They had a lot of sexual in the window. And I think that's why yeah. fucking people were like, oh, shit, these guys are evil. The powers that the be. Powers that be yeah. uh, but the kids like, yeah. liked it. The kids, you know? of course, yeah. the kids love it. Now, uh, they would come out with a second LP in 67 called Troglodyte Dynamite, and that album was not released in the United States until many, many years later. Uh, they would do a cover of Van Morrison and Them's song, I Can Only Give You Everything, uh, a song called Last Summer. Uh, they did a cover Last of Last Summer. That's was a good song. Great. Yeah. Last Summer. I mean, they have Trog's yeah. jukebox here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, hear, I hear this stuff all the all time. All the time, yeah. Like the, the grass. Yeah, Night the, of the Long Grass. grass. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, they covered Bo Diddley's Mona, which the Stones had. Oh, the Stones had did a good cover that on their first album. Uh, then there's the song Cousin Jane. Yeah, Cousin which is Jane. A weird, yeah, which is a weird kind of haunting song. Yeah. I, I got to skip it all the time because I listen to when it like listen, 20, 30 When you listen to the words, it's talking about how his cousin would come over and he would make out with on the, on, the, on, the, on the porch, yeah, uh, on, the, on the balcony or something, whatever. It's yeah, lots of ways to use porch because you yeah. know, 30 day ban in Facebook. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Damn, I've been there, been there, done that. 30 days in jail. Um, hey, hey, the new people. musical express would call Cousin Jane a beautifully evil ballad. Yeah, <laughs> kind of is, kind of is. Uh, now, in October of 67, they would come out with probably their, their most popular song after Wild Thing, and that's Love Is All Around. Yep. Okay? That was the single that came out that month, and uh, it's a song about just boys and girls in love, but it kind of became a, like a hippie anthem. Because this was the summer of love. Yeah. Okay. Love is all around. Yeah. Okay. And you know these dirty hippies were dancing around to that song. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good song. You know, REM would cover it. It's funny. Didn't you know, what was the King song? Um, about the summer. In the summer time was of course. Oh, summertime? sunny afternoon. Sunny afternoon. Yeah, no, and these no. guys had life summer, which no. it was oh, almost. Look, look, I mean, you want to write a song in the summer? You yeah. call have the word summer. summer in it. Yeah, I mean that, that was a typical. That was a typical thing to do in those days. It was you like know, all these bands follow like yeah. that thing. You, you know, yeah. put this in it. Let's put that. We need a summer song. We need a summer song. Yeah, it was typical. Now, uh, people thought the song Love Is All Around was about drugs because there's a, there's a lyric in it that says, uh, I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes. Yeah. You know, it's about getting high. Yeah. Maybe. Because that song went number five in the UK and number seven here in the yeah. United States. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a big hit here at a time when their singles were not doing that good here. They yeah. kind of bounced back a little bit with that. But unfortunately, it wouldn't last. They would kind of, you know, plot on for a while but not have really any more big American hits. Yeah, they were like, after that, they were pretty much, they were going down, and then they tried to, it, it's a weird band. It's yeah, weird. yeah, they, were, they had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, they didn't have a lot of lineup changes early on. No. That would change later, but in 67, they came out with an album called Cellophane that didn't make much of a splash. No. 68, they came out with a, um, an album called Mixed Bag, and in the States, it was actually called Hip Hip Hooray. Which yeah. was the name of one of the songs I believe. On Is that the one that had Hi Hi Hazel? 
No, I think that was uh, that was an earlier. That was an earlier one. Uh, six, it, there was a track on Mixed Bag called uh, Maybe the Madman. Yeah. And then there was uh, another song on it called Purple Shade. Maybe, maybe the Madman was written by Chris Britton. I don't remember the band. Uh, and Reg Presley wrote Purple Shade. Yeah. Both psychedelic songs kind of bookends of the of the same idea. You know what I was laughing at? Penny Farnan Records. Yeah. And I worked across the street for the Penny, paper. Penny I wonder Farnan. if that's where they got the name for that. Maybe. That's an old expression. It's a British yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, an Irish thing, maybe. Uh, they would come out with a live album in 69 called Troglomania and uh, what was starting to happen at that point is there were a lot of best ofs coming out yeah. of them and when you start seeing that happen in a band you know it's kind of like you know it's not doing so well anymore you start putting out the compilation I think that got to um, Plastic Penny Basie yeah um, to replace Antonio Murray right yes yes and and, uh, and actually uh, Peter Staple in 1969 yeah so he would leave the band at that point and there was a lot of infighting starting in the band um, and that's going to bring us now to the, the famous Trog tapes um, in, the er- in the early 70s they were recording in the studio and the type of studio this was was the it, it, it was kind of like a little bit different than regular studios. There was a recording area, and then there was like a control area that was like separate. And uh, they didn't realize that they were being recorded, okay, like the switch was on. And they actually had this big fight, okay. So these British guys are like calling each other cunts and motherfuckers and everything, and it's getting recorded. Now, for a long time in the early 70s, it was, it was a bootleg. Okay, somehow it got out to people who came out on vinyl or cassette, and people were like listening to it. It was funny, like the trogs all fighting with each other. But they would actually release it officially in 1972. Now, Reg Presley didn't want to do that, but you know he's on the, he was on the record later on saying, "All right, no big deal," you know. But uh, if you listen to this, it's funny. You could probably listen to it on, on YouTube. It's only like maybe 20 minutes long. Uh, these guys fighting with each other about the song, and you ain't playing it right, and yelling. It sounds like Spinal Tap. Yeah, it sounds just like, and, and that was the influence, supposedly, to, to, get, spinal to, to get Spinal Tap made. Um, they would record through the 70s. Uh, unfortunately, not much would go anywhere. But they would also do some live albums. They would do a live album from Max's Kansas City in 81. Um, which which did well, and I think what was happening is in in, in the punk scene in the in England and in the punk scene here in New York, they were getting recognized as kind of like you know an influence to them. Yeah. Okay, it didn't really cross over into a lot of success for them money wise. It was more like credit. Yeah. You know, but it's cool because it's definitely true. You want to hear something funny? They also did. I, didn't, I never realized they did a version of Good Vibration. Yes. It was supposed to be a comeback. It was supposed to be a comeback, and, and it, it, it failed. It failed. It and then they try to retake Wild Thing again. With a reggae version of it. With reggae, yeah, and it, it, it failed too. Work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys had a lot of bad luck. Um, I would actually see them in the late 90s uh, at a record convention at the Metropolitan Pavilion. And Reg Presley, and I don't know what the other members were, unfortunately, for anybody else, but, but uh, Reg Presley was in the band, and... Uh, I don't think Reginald, uh, I don't think Ronald Bond was, uh, Ronnie Bond was in the band because he died in 92. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when they played this record convention, it was also tied in 
with something here in the city called Cave Stop. Cave Stop used to be these like garage rock shows that were in like late 90s and early 2000s. Yes, where they, they would, were. Do you remember them? Yeah. yeah. They would have like, they'd be in different places, you know, a couple of months in a row. And they would have like new bands that were like great, you know, underground bands. And then they would try to have like a couple of oldies brought in. Like I saw like the Blues Magoos. Yeah. Right? And uh, uh, the Trogs, the Chesterfield Kings. Uh, God, so many people at, at Cave Stop. One time, I saw Joey Ramone come in with Daniel Ray, who was his, one of his producers, and he played guitar. Uh, they had, the two of them together did like an acoustic version of, uh, of the Kinks. Um, that wasn't so tired of waiting. Okay, you know, and it just kept playing. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was very cool. Now, in '92, REM would do a cover of "Love Is All Around," and I believe it was the B side of their radio song single. Uh, it actually became like a minor hit, and they decided to work together on an album. Now I thought that was so. Like me, I, 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 can I tell you, I have a hatred for REM. REM, do you? I think they I, absolutely suck. I like, I like the very early stuff, like the first album, Saving second my album. Religion can suck no, my fucking no, dick. I'm not like that. I mean, I don't mind like South Central and and, and uh, uh, I, REM to me yeah, is like they suck. Yeah, it's crap. It's like they, well, they became a, very they, preachy. I don't know. They became too preachy, yeah. too like, oh fuck them. But in this in this connection with with the Trogs, it wouldn't be the whole band. Uh, Michael Stipe didn't have anything to do yeah. with it. Okay, but they would record an album called Athens Andover, and it's based on because REM's from Athens and Trogs from Andover, England. Yeah. Um, it really didn't spark anybody's interest too much. I've listened to it. It's it's not a bad album. I mean, it's it's kind of like the Trogs playing with a backup band of REM, and it's it's kind of like neither one of their styles, so it's, it's just different. Um, I still think the weirdest thing they team up with um, Oliver Reed, yes, the actor, the actor yeah, at one what the point. Hell was that about? They, I don't know. They were getting some bad advice in the late seventies, shit, early eighties, and. I think that's when they did that in the 80s with Oliver Reed. In 92, they came out with actor Oliver Reed. He was already old at that point, yeah. A player, um. Snow player, um. Alex Higgins. With another version of the following year, a wolf from the TV show, The American Gladiator. Wow. They were teaming up with some bad (laughs) shit. Bad shit. Now, um. Lester Banks who uh, was a great music journalist. Uh, he called them the progenitors of punk. Yeah. Uh, there's a great collection of Lester Bang's writings called, uh, uh, what the hell is it called? Carburetor Dump, okay? And it's it's a bunch of his writings. He, did, he always brought up the trucks. Yeah. He just loved these guys from, like, the beginning. Uh, Iggy Pop, the Buzzcocks, uh, all influenced by them, the Ramones. Uh, like you said earlier, Jimi Hendrix was yeah, the Hendrix coming up during the Monterey Pop Festival. Um, Let me ask you, what do you think about Chris Annan singing um, Reginald Presley's place? Taking over for Reginald, yeah. he got sick. It's okay. He's a good singer. He sounds a little yeah, bit like him. a little bit like him. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, I mean, at that point, they really weren't making, they were making records for themselves. Yeah. They just didn't care. Yeah. Now, uh, some of their music would end up in the in the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, I remember okay. that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and unfortunately, Ronnie Bond would leave the band, uh, I believe, in the 80s, and he would pass away in 1992. Yeah. And Reg Presley died, uh, I believe, of lung cancer and a stroke in, February in 2013. 2013. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think in the scheme of things, everybody should check out the Trogs. It's not just a song wild thing. They got a lot of great music that influenced what came in the 70s. You will be amazed how many hits. Yeah. Like, if you listen, yeah. they got so many hits. You know these songs. Yeah, you'll you be know. like, you'll be like, it's the yeah. same thing, um... Well, we did Raven. Yeah, I was like, I know all these fucking songs. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, we did Link Ray. Oh, Link Ray, yeah. I was like, wait up, I know all these fucking yeah. songs. It was yeah. shocking. Yeah, I mean, and, and the Trogs are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And neither is Link Ray, for that matter. He's always getting stumped. His name always gets bumped up, but they haven't put him in. Yeah, they got to put him in. So, that's all I got. That's all you got? Yep. Any shows coming up? Anything? Uh, uh, song of the week? Oh, uh, well, hey, song of the week with this is. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it. I can't control myself. I can't control myself. It's easy to say wild thing, but I'm yeah. going to say I can't control myself. Just for that scream in the beginning. Yeah. That somebody thought it was an orgasm. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Give it to him. All right, people. Remember, don't get drunk. Get locked up. We'll see you next week. All right. That was quick. Yeah. How long was that? I'll tell you right now. About 30.